seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 89 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things that, uh, you know, some people may not be so comfortable talking about as it affects our games, both in front of and away from our computers and at our gaming tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and as always, for 89 really in-depth, and I'm going to call them smart episodes. There you go. I got my co-pilot with me, Brian Allen. How you doing, dude? You're not smart. We have learned so much over the past uh, almost 90 episodes at this point. That is true, dude. And and this is our 89th one. So this is our Mike Didka episode. I'm I'm bad. I can't do a good like the bears and bears. There you go. From like Saturday Night Live. I got to got to get my thick fake mustache on. (laughs) By the way, if y'all haven't seen those, go look up. Just look. Put in the bears. D.A space right. bears in youtube and i guarantee you you're gonna find some funny stuff one of the best running gags SNL ever had and that's saying something yeah it was like that uh like there was a whole stretch we had like that the like wild and crazy guys yeah um and Dick was in on the joke which made it even better he appeared on the show to yeah make fun of himself. that was a good one that was a good one but yeah so we want to say as a reminder, if you'd like to support the show, you can check us out over at patreon.com slash color of magic. Help us keep the lights on, pay for our pets and kids, and, you know, let us keep doing this thing. Because we do have some some things we got to pay for between, like, hosting and services and all that stuff. But we do appreciate everybody that comes and pitches in a couple bucks there to help us out. And somebody else who does pitch in a couple bucks to help us out, our sponsor, cardsfair.com. They're actually super awesome folks over there. They do a lot to support the magic community and magic content creators. Really positive folks. And they have a fun service over on their website. Matter of fact, I've been getting cards on there and started getting cards out the door again the other day. Made me a couple hundred dollars. Just pulled some cards off, put them in an envelope, got them out the door. That simple. Have money like seven days later. It is fantastic. So definitely check them out if you haven't. If you're looking for a way to sell stuff that you don't want to necessarily have to deal with eBay and everything else, and you want to do it on your own time, that's the way to go. They are cardsphere.com. And then as a reminder, if you want to support the show and just get something directly for yourself, you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop, where you can get some cool play mats and some tokens, which, you know, we're starting to get back to playing some paper magic. So people might need tokens again as you start going to your local stores. And why not have tokens that look like the two of us? I mean, I know why I don't want to have tokens look like the two of us. <laughs> like, said, you asked the question that we both already <laughs> know the answer to, but, but you if know, you like us. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. If you like us and you want to have something fun and different, bring into to your table, there you go. And they're cheap, and we do have discounts uh, for different levels to get some free shipping, and we do ship all over the world. So check those out if you want to support us, and we will greatly appreciate it. So today, we have some pretty interesting things we're going to cover. So let's wake up that crowd. Uh, And this one, today, my soapbox thing today is more of an annoyance than anything. This this is this needs to be what is it on Family Guy the thing that, that this the grinds, thing that my, grinds gears. my gears <laughs> yeah I need, I need I need it to be that's more what this feels like but I put up my first TikTok this week 
And I've been I've been goofing around with like YouTube shorts for a while or whatever. And I'll probably just be making YouTube shorts and just repurposing them over on TikToks, which is fine, right? I don't have a problem with that. But one, the TikTok interface is not good for making editing videos. I get it though, you're trying to do it all from your phone. Like I did it from my PC and it was way fast. 30, 45 minutes from the time I like recorded it and everything had it loaded, I was good. But I came to another problem with TikTok and Instagram both. That for whatever reason, I can look at things on my PC. I can log into my accounts from my PC, but I can't post things from my PC. And there's really no rhyme or reason that we can't. Like there's other apps I use that are phone-based apps that I can log on online and I can do all my stuff. Right, like I can respond to messages, I can do everything I want to do on there. So like, what's the purpose of not letting us do it from our PCs? I mean, it's probably good for me because I'd probably be spending more wasted social media time on those two platforms if I was able to do it from my PC. But it's just like, it's it's a weird thing to not allow that. And it actually creates another line of work if I need to, like, even with the TikTok thing, right? The process was record stuff on my phone, then send it to my Google Drive, download it to my PC, edit it on in DaVinci Resolve. Once it's rendered, put it back on my Google Drive, and then go to my phone from TikTok and take the video from there and post it. Like, I shouldn't even have to have all those extra steps. It should literally be, it's on my computer. I should be able to just post it right to TikTok or to Instagram or whatever. Like, it's such an annoying thing for no reason at all. And I'm sure there's, there's who knows, there's maybe some technical reason or whatever doesn't exist. But man, it just feels like such a missed opportunity. Because I started thinking about how many more people would use these or how much more could you do with it? if you could do it from your PC easily. Because I thought I was doing something wrong. So I went and looked up a bunch of stuff and it was like, everybody's like, oh no, you just can't. It's just not a thing. I'm like, oh, well, that, that seems weird. And I already knew that was a thing for Instagram. So Instagram already had minimal engagement with as it is because I'm already doing everything else from my PC. It's like, I don't know. But anyway, like I said, that's more of just a gripe. It's just like messing with it, trying to be involved and participate. And it's like, why are you making it difficult? Why are you putting barriers for me wanting to get here and use this? I just I just want to be social with all my friends on the platforms. That's all. Just, just let me be. Let me be. Okay, that aside, I'm done grinding my gears. <laughs> but Brian, you have a real thing that we need to talk about, for real. And I, I, I think this is seriously, well, like warrants a serious conversation. Yeah, for, for all our talk of, you know, attempting to foster bipartisanship in American politics, 14 members of Congress voted against making Juneteenth a federal holiday. Give you three guesses which party the 14 people that voted against Juneteenth were from. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I know I'm not ignorant to how Congress works. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe there were some things attached to the bill they couldn't support. So I went and looked up some of the reasons people said they voted against this. Ronnie Jackson, he's one of ours from Texas, said the reason he didn't vote for Juneteenth being a federal holiday is because we just have enough federal holidays. I don't see the reason in doing it. That's okay. That's, that's weak. <laughs> yeah, super weak. Too many federal. Uh, from Montana, Matt Rosedale said, let's call an ace and ace. This is an effort by the left to create a day out of whole cloth to celebrate identity politics as efforts to make critical race theory the reigning ideology of our country. 
talk about throwing in a whole bunch of buzzwords and not saying a, a damn thing. Pardon my language. But like, how does he feel about like I don't know Cinco de Mayo and Saint right? Patrick's Day and you know whatever Oktoberfest, anything that might yeah. celebrate somebody else's culture. Yeah, that's uh, representative from Kentucky says referring to Juneteenth as National Independence Day shouldn't be done because it would confuse people. Confuse folks don't know when July Fourth is apparently there'd be just just all this confusion that we wouldn't know which Independence Day. By the way. You can absolutely celebrate both. I recommend that you should celebrate both of these things. Man, like this this is weak. Yeah, nobody like, even had a good reason. It's like, like you knew you were gonna vote against this the second you saw it come up. You have people that work for you who get paid to write statements. And no, it shows you even people that get paid probably six figure salaries to come with reasons had no reasons for why you should vote against you. See, this this is my problem, right? That we not even that I disagree with politicians, we just have reached the point that we just have crappy politicians. Like, right? you couldn't even come up with good creative spin. Reagan could have could have given you a reason would have made you think you were opposed to Juneteenth. Yeah, something. Like, you could have you been like, I don't know. Hey, well, you know, when I reviewed it, some of the stuff felt off because of this, this, and this, or whatever. And it's like, you know, I know some people really supported it for these reasons, but, you know, if I'd have had, if I'd have had like another month to review it, well, you know, whatever, right? I mean, like, okay, fine. They do have that. I, I, I don't. That's probably not true, but yeah, it's believable. I'll buy it. You know, whatever. Yeah, You're not it even sounds better that. than you know. We just have too many holidays. And I don't want to support anymore. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're not even giving us like the the good PR spin. You're just like, yeah, too many holidays. If you had to defend your eighth grade thesis, you know, for one of your papers. Yeah. You would have needed better, better logic and better reasons than what actual members of Congress are giving us. People are going to confuse the release of slaves with the birth of the nation. Yeah, that's two, two things. I, I, if I've forgotten when you know July Fourth was once, it's happened never. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying like this, like, and honestly, like, and here's the worst part, right? The people that support that dude don't realize that he's basically saying his constituency is stupid. Real stupid. Like, that you can't tell the difference between a day in June and a day in July. I mean, I get it. Some people get confused with, like, Veterans Day and Memorial Day. I brought the fireworks. Are we not <laughs> doing that today for, for Juneteenth? <laughs> yeah, that, that whole thing. is. And, and here's the worst part about it anyway, right? Any negativity they were getting, you could have easily deflected that like no see i support the black community i voted right. for juneteenth this is a layup opportunity to do one thing to support black people so at the end of your you know four to six years depending on which office you hold you can say hey look i voted for this hell and now you couldn't that, even get that done you knew it was gonna pass right so it's not even like your vote is gonna shift it so you could just go along with it Exactly. You know it's gonna all because again, only these are the only fourteen people that it goes by through a landslide. Take the win they're offering you. Yeah, it's just it's just being a bad politician. That's all it is. Are and, you saying you know you were opposed to celebrating the release of slaves? That's what you've said basically on paper. Your name's next to it. 
Yeah. And, and we, you had no good reason. So what else are we doing? We're trying to give you an out. What can we assume other than you don't really want to support <laughs> release some people from slavery? And and I'll be honest, like the, the whole idea of making it a national holiday is kind of like, okay, you know, I, I get it. It's a little weird because like a lot of, and, and you know, we've talked about this before, a lot of minorities do tend to have lower level jobs. So they're going to be working anyway, those jobs on the days where everybody else is off. So it's not like it, it really achieves what it's intending to do in a lot of and ways. And as people have pointed out, we're already probably going to start seeing Juneteenth mattress sales. It's going to get commercialized. Oh, of course. Stupid. Of course. And that, that like was like every other point. American holiday. Is that like, okay, once it is a holiday, then like how weird does it get commercially? Right. Cause like, where you have people like even already there were already people on Twitter just like, oh, happy Juneteenth. And it's like, well, is, is it cool to say happy Juneteenth? Like, is it weird to say that if I'm I'm white? Is is it like, you know, does it have a different salutation to it? Like, it, I, like everybody was already weird about it. You know what I mean? Since we're on the subject, did you hear about what IKEA did? No. Apparently, I didn't know you could buy food at Ikea, but apparently, yeah. I guess there's a restaurant in there. I've never oh, been there. Okay, time. when you're done, I'll give you the whole spiel on Ikea. So yeah, that's a, another one that I learned this week is I learned about Ikea. Had food. But anyway, they changed their menu for Juneteenth, and you probably know where this is going. Oh, did they for real? Fried chicken, watermelon, collard greens, and mac and cheese is what they served. I mean, this would be the Atlanta IKEA. Make it even worse. I, you know, I ain't lying. Like, that that really sounds like one. a fire menu. Let's be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sad part is, I'm not gonna say I don't eat all those things. <laughs> and if I look back, I probably did eat them on June 19th. But the optics like, are still horrible. Who was the comedian I was listening to a while back? He was he was talking about it's okay to have watermelon at your party when you invite right? your black friends. Just don't offer it to them. Let them go get it themselves. Yeah, it does, certainly don't be weird about it. Like, hey, Brian, hey. Because <laughs> everybody likes fried chicken and watermelon. Right. But it's just a little weird when you're like, hey, look, you just got here. Don't forget, I got some watermelon for you on the couch. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, anybody to throw at a party. Dude, I don't know. I heard that, like, Amazon... And I don't know if it's like, it, no, at like two different companies apparently decided they were going to do like order food for Juneteenth. And then they got like cornbread and something. And then like another one got like a soul food thing. And I was like, okay, like at least here's the thing I'll say about the soul food thing though. I think if you would have like, fresh, I guess, sheltered that in the sense of just like, we are going to a local black business. And we're going to have them cater whatever they want yeah, that's for best Juneteenth. And then we're just, so then it's like, okay, cool. The black owners came in and they made this whole, like, I don't know, Southern food menu or whatever. And people got to go ham on it. Right. Right. That would have been all right. I think. That's, but I think the, when, that's, the absolute, that's the absolute best move right there. Yeah. I think when you do it more like, okay, we're going to offer a menu of, and it's just like, oh, now that just looks bad. Yeah. Right. You got to tell the whole story to it, or because everybody, because you have to understand, it's already a weird holiday. It's already a thing that people are already tense about. It's a topic that people are already sensitive about. So you just have to be careful with it. Like, and I feel bad. I do genuinely, on some level, feel bad for you know just some of the the white folks in our communities because they are trying to be supportive. 
yeah. but it's such a sensitive topic. A bunch of people aren't comfortable talking about it. So you get caught in a weird spot of like, you want to show support for your black friends or black coworkers or whatever, but you're kind of stuck on this weird Island that you don't know which way to go. So like, so, say with so many things, you know, you find somebody that, whose opinion you trust on this and ask them, Hey, how can we honor your, community without you know without becoming a news story basically yeah and you know and it was weird you know having some people say like well you know i don't feel comfortable having a white person say like happy juneteenth to me and i'm like yeah and i I get get that yeah that's what i'm saying like it didn't bother me but like okay i could see how that could bother you a little bit especially while it's still new you know what i mean like now so many people you know are, are just now hearing about it yeah, once it becomes more commercialized, and it's, I think you know, another three, four years, it won't be a big deal. But I think like right now, while it's so tense, and we're talking about the voting of it, and people arguing against it, and it's still kind of sensitive on around the edges, I get it. But I'm I'm one of those people though. A lot of it comes down to intentionality, right? Like what is being said, how is it being said, what's the context of it? So like I I get it. And I don't, I don't have those same sensitivities as a lot of people. But, you know, it's like like a lot of things we talk about, even on the show, that we have to just be aware that the, our view as an individual doesn't necessarily match the other person. Yeah. You know, you just have to be careful about it. But That's part of why we're here, you know, is to have what are sometimes difficult conversations. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a lot of wild Juneteenth stuff. I was following that online and just... People sharing. Yeah, I saw somebody stories. was having a movie marathon, and I mean, it, it was like Norbit, and it just, again, no black people were consulted before they put the movie lined up together. It was. Bad. Oh damn! I thought you. It, oh, why Norbit? It, at least if you'd have said I like, they just said, hey, Eddie Murphy. Have been like, they, they, they picked you know two or three black actors, and here are some of their movies. You know, it just. See, I like if you'd at least said like there was gonna be like a Roots marathon or something, I'd have been like that would make all right. far more sense. Yeah, I'm like I get it. As <laughs> we see the, the commercialization of the, the, the second it's a legal holiday, the commercialization it just it just swooped in. Yeah, that's wild, man. Like I don't I don't know, and, and like I said, it's still like the thing is Juneteenth's still new to a lot of black people. True, I, I think that's the thing that people don't know because I learned about it. Oh, how old was I? I mean, I was I was probably a freshman in high school when I really kind of like dug into it to understand what it was. But I hadn't even heard the term until maybe like the summer before or, or the, the spring before. So, I mean, I was I want to say I think sometime around. Well, like I said, probably like middle school, high school. Or I mean, I think I think I had heard of the date before, but I guess that's where they feel more comfortable talking to you about. Hey, this is why this is what really what happened, because we've talked about how little black history is discussed in our normal history courses. Yeah. And and that's the thing, you know, kind of what to pick up on last week where we we're talking about, you know, the critical race theory and all that stuff. It's like a lot of it is explaining like, Hey, here are all the things that happen, right? Like it's not just, okay. We signed the emancipation proclamation. Then a few days later, slavery wasn't a thing. It was like, well, no, then there were things of like, okay, well, certain slaves were free. And then if you lived in no. certain areas, there were laws made that, you know, you still couldn't look white people in the eye or whatever. And then there were other laws made that, well, OK, well, you're free, but you can't go to the schools to get educated. And then, the, you know, like we don't talk about any of that stuff. Right. And you have people to go. Think, oh, just slaves are free. Everything's good. Then. No. There's- yeah. You have to go through a long line. And, dude, there's a whole I shared a thing on Twitter the other day for somebody to 
or maybe no, I think it was on Facebook for people to have have kind of like the quick history lesson of somebody explaining like, yeah, even through Georgia, like the point that like Georgia was allowed in and then kicked out of the union and then back in because they basically were in cahoots with the KKK to make sure that black people never held office. Like people don't even know that was a thing. Wow. Like they, these are things that are public record that we just don't talk about. And that's the thing. It's not about making everything out to be racist. It's not about calling anybody better or worse or whatever. It's saying, okay, cool. If we're going to teach a history of a thing, yeah. let's teach the whole history of a thing. And let's not omit stuff. You know, let's talk about how know, this people affects that, everybody. The people that oppose these changes don't realize the irony when they say, look, you know, that, that, was, that was history. I've never held anybody down. You know, I've never prevented black people from learning how to read, except that's literally what you're trying to do right now. Is oh, you don't yeah. want them to be able to read the history. They, they don't see the irony. Oh, even the whole thing with like redlining and you know drawing districts so certain schools get more money and other ones get yeah. less money and like all that like that's all stuff that people don't know about as a thing but to let them tell it they've never been racist that was hundreds of years ago when that stuff happened and and here's here's the sad reality though like i genuinely believe the majority of people are not racist however i absolutely agree with that the systems are created on a basis of racism and have just been left in place and people don't know that. It's and how we you, talk about people getting together at conventions and, you know, TED Talks and, and having a diversity panel that's three white guys. They didn't mean to be racist, but the the outcome of that panel is three white guys talking about diversity. Yeah, you know, like they had every intention that they were going to set out to do a good thing, but it's like, oh, but did you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. The The whole... Juneteenth thing is just wild. And I don't know why a politician wouldn't have just voted for it. Like all 14 of them. Yeah. I mean, as you said, knowing full well it was going to pass by a landslide. Easy slam dunk. Like that would that would be the the political equivalent of like, see, I have a black friend. Right? Like you the literally could have pulled that. You I think would vote against it is you realize you'd lose too many of your white voters. I get, yeah, I can't think of any other good it's reason. It's political preservation. There's no other logical reason. If anybody else could, before I, before I argue this point, I went to look at their reasons and I just described them to you and they were told BS. Yeah, that, that's just awful. Well, all right, man. You already this did some much educating lighter, of yourself. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, you've, you've already done some educating of yourself this week, but... You know, like always, we do try to learn a couple of extra things and share with everybody. So, what did you learn last week? All right, there's a, a game on PS5 called Destruction All-Stars. It's kind of a, guess, a car combat game, for lack of a better term. And they've actually had to start uh, putting bots into matches because they don't have enough players. And they think one of the reasons they don't have enough players is because it's a PS5 exclusive. And, well, obviously, you can't eat a lot of people that would like to play the game can't play it because they can't find a PS5. Wow, that's sad. So that's far as I know, the first time when that I'm aware of covering gaming where a game may have died just because people cannot buy the console that it's on. Is it similar to... Crap, there was another game on PlayStation 2 or PlayStation, anyway, years ago because I think they had like three iterations of it. 
where Twisted like Metal a, is that the one? You're yeah, about? yeah, Twisted Metal. That was the one. It. I would say it kind of has a lot in combat with uh, combat, a lot in common with Twisted Metal. Okay. It's it's not as you know, Twisted Metal has more of a darker aesthetic. It's kind of like I guess Twisted Metal through the lens of Fortnite, where everybody's dancing and happy, and even though okay. they're destroying everyone's cars. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like it'd be kind of fun, man. That kind of sucks that they don't have enough people to fill the games. Yeah, and obviously there's not PS5s raining from the sky anytime soon. So maybe it'll be one of those things that it gets picked up three or four years later. Like, because I think Among Us came out two or three years ago and just became popular when people started streaming it. So maybe something like that could happen. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's kind of weird because you know you still have the Switch selling like two to three times as much every week. Right. Of the PlayStations and Xboxes. So I don't know if it's just like they can't get the parts manufactured or what it is. But I mean, we are seeing numbers slowly increase. Yep. Well, that's another benefit of, you know, Nintendo. If you don't, if you don't make it the most powerful console in the world, you don't need as much equipment to produce the things. Oh, that's fair. That's a good the point. The reason, reason they can't make PS5s and Xbox Series X is because it is state, it, it's, they're essentially PCs in a console shell. I mean, how, okay, so those games, they're, they're selling the, the physical game, or I guess the files, downloading it. I mean, they're making their purchases. Well, I guess, yeah, because I'm sure there's cosmetics and stuff you can buy, too, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so they're missing a lot of money right now if people don't have. Because one of the complaints was, okay, you know, this game looks fun. I don't know if I want to pay $80 for it. So they headed that off. They made it a PlayStation Plus game. So provided you had a PlayStation, it was free for you to play. You know, oh, they wow. thought of that, but they didn't think anybody, you know, they they couldn't have foreseen, hey, I can't even buy a PlayStation, you know. Man, you know, I was telling you off the air that I kind of get it because I'd also been debating, like, well, some of these games look neat, but is there even going to be an audience for them in like six to nine months? Right, man. This is definitely even, one of those cases. Yeah. So I mean, other people might be doing the same thing. I'm just like, well, I'm gonna wait a little bit. You know, if yeah. this is the game I'm looking for, or I've been waiting on, let me see how the the community builds up around it first before I dive in and invest in a PlayStation. Because I own the game, you know, and I consider it to be kind of fun, but it's something that I don't want to play against. You know, AI. That's not really entertaining. Yeah, that's such a tough thing. I wonder how many studios or production houses are going to be affected? I think we're going to, we're probably going to see in the next couple of years, a lot of people are going to have some issues because as we talked about also during the pre-show, this is just a time where you couldn't have foreseen things are going to, so many people are going to lose jobs, you know, in in so many industries. Yeah. Cause I mean, your timeline, you're just trying to get games done and when they're done, they're done, but like you already have a sunk cost. So if you're not able to generate money, you know, via sales or or cosmetics or whatever like you can't just keep paying all those programmers and developers can't keep can't keep the server up you know especially if there's nobody on the thing whereas like a a book or a movie okay you can discover it later a video game with multiplayer you really to a large extent can't discover it later if it doesn't launch well it's gonna die immediately yeah you're right man that's a tough situation for some of those people to be in yeah. Well, hopefully it picks up because, like I said, it looked like even from the stuff we saw at the E3 announcements and stuff, like there's some neat things coming down the pipe for both those systems. 
And, it's like, and so much of it is free or close to free because of PlayStation Plus and Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, it's going to be sad if a bunch of those just don't get off the ground because of, I guess, availability issues. Because one thing I've been telling people, like once you actually get one of the consoles, you don't even need to buy a game. They give you two or three free every month. Yeah, that's wild. Well, mine isn't nearly as fun, though it is a fun story. It well, if we, I don't know. It's fun for somebody. It's probably fun to hear. It wasn't fun to go through. <laughs> I'll say that. So I guess this was Monday. I want to get my days right. Yeah, I think it was Monday. I was, it was either Sunday or Monday. It might have been Sunday. But either way, a couple of days ago, I'm streaming. I'm over on Facebook. I'm doing my thing. And I hear my smoke alarms going off. And it's not that big a deal because sometimes, you know, whoever's in the kitchen just has something in too long or whatever, you know, some oils burning and not a big deal. So I kind of wait a minute or so just because, you know, they'll get it fixed and then the beeping will stop and I'll go on about my business. Well, a couple of minutes goes by. And I'm like, uh, it's still beeping. Like, this may not be good. But also, nobody's came and, like, rushed and knocked on my door or anything while I'm recording. So, I'm assuming it's not an emergency? So, then I let about another minute go by. And I'm like, okay, I got to go see what's up. And my wife and mother-in-law are kind of just, like, roaming the house trying to, I guess, frantically find whatever the source is. Because at this point, nobody's cooking. We were all kind of just doing our own thing. And we have no idea why every fire alarm and or smoke detector and every carbon monoxide detector is going off in the house. So obviously now there's a small panic. Because like, okay, one, you can't really smell carbon monoxide, which is why you have to have the yeah. detectors. So, okay, that's like the emergency. Because if, if there was a fire we would have at least seen smoke or smelled something by now, right? So we know it's not fire, fire. That was one. And plus we were in like different parts of the house. So like one of us would have seen or smelled something. So then we're literally going like through the garage. We're checking stuff in the back. We're, you know, we're trying to see if maybe did something spark off in the attic or something. Like there's nothing. So then we have to go systematically through. And by the way, the whole time this is happening, it's just constantly beeping. And then, you know, occasionally like fire, fire and then like carbon monoxide detected blah 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 like just constantly right so oh, wow. like, oh, you got one okay. of the talking ones yeah so we're like we're just we're just losing our damn minds at this point because the danger will robinson danger yeah it's been like 15 20 minutes and we're just like you know and this is after we started looking so it's probably total ordeals probably about 30 minutes so we literally go through and we're like you know press the reset buttons trying to do one at a time one at a time through the whole house testing every single box so we finally find the one to where i realized when you have a connected system, apparently one of them having a malfunction will set off every single other one of them in your Ooh, house. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God. So like I had to disconnect it, you know, got the step ladder, took it down, disconnected it. Everything else shut down, replaced all the batteries. And even though the batteries look good, I'm just like, let me give it a fresh start. Kept it off for about five minutes, reset it, put it back in. We were good to go. But, like, I had no idea that would happen. I assumed if there was a malfunction, like, one of them would just keep going off or maybe it would shut down or something or whatever. But, no, it was sending a signal for whatever reason, and it just sent it to the whole thing. It was just, like, everything was going off. It was crazy. But good news is our house did not burn down, so there's that. <laughs> but it was wild because, like, people on stream were just like, uh, if we see smoke, what do we do? <laughs> like, 
Because I forgot I left it on. Because I was like, because I thought oh, yeah. I was just going to step out of the room and then I'll, I'll just come right back. So it'd be like a minute or two. So I'm like, not a big deal. But then of course, I was gone for, you know, somewhere between 50 minutes and half an hour or whatever at that point. And, you know, people in the chat were kind of concerned because I hadn't come back, which I thought was pretty funny. But no, overall, it was really good. But yeah, I didn't know systems could be connected like that. So, you know, it was good to know that everything in my house worked. Uh, you know, we didn't have any major issues and fortunately didn't have to call our insurance company. So there's that. So that was my adventure, learning how all the uh, interconnected fire alarms and monoxide detectors work. So, yeah, there you go. That's what I learned. Like I said, wasn't a fun story for me, but probably a fun story to hear. That's how comedy works. It wasn't <laughs> funny when it was happening to you, but, you know, it's funny later to tell people. That's true. Those are some of the best stories. But anyway, let's get down to other gaming business. All right, so secret layers for Magic the Gathering. Like, we know this is like a, or at least it was once upon a time, a sensitive subject when these started like two-ish years ago. I think is when we saw the first one. And there was all this concern about, well, Wizards is going to be selling singles and game stores are going to be taking a hit and it's going to suck. And Wizards is trying to get rid of game stores and it's going to affect the secondary market. And there was just like thing after thing after thing that people were trying to put on this. I don't know, the boogeyman of the moment. And over time, it really hasn't been that bad. I mean, if anything, it's been an easy investment product for a lot of a lot of cases. You know, if you really want to do investment, sky has not fallen. You say, yeah, not even close. And I think that's that's the wild part to me. You know that there was a lot of concern over how much is this going to affect things. Like, first off, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. Like, Wizards was not trying to get rid of game stores, right? They had or, or paper magic. Yeah, <laughs> they had an opportunity to do that. During COVID, they could have just let stores die or whatever, and they did the exact opposite. They literally spent a couple million dollars sending free stuff to stores, making promos, sending them extra items to give away for FMs online, like all kinds of stuff, right? So we can't really, really even have that discussion. It's not a thing. Now, I will say one of the things people thought, okay, well, as this catches on, we're just going to jack up the prices of these secret layers and whatever. But that didn't really happen either. A lot of the recent secret layers have been like 30 for non-foil, 40 for foil. And that's kind of where they started in the beginning. So even in two years, they haven't done anything with the prices. They're kind of the same thing. We've seen stuff get reprinted. And honestly, if anything, the price of a couple of things came slightly down. But the stuff that went up was mostly because people were playing it and lots of collectibles went up during the pandemic, but not necessarily that we could attribute to secret layer being a thing. If anything, Secret Layer probably helped control some of the prices because a few of the reprinted cards got out there in the public. And that's kind of all cool by me. You know, we've seen them do some stuff with some charity things where they donated money, so that's cool. We've gotten to see some new artists when they started doing that whole thing. So, you know, artists got to come in and do their versions of some cards or whatever, and that's pretty cool. I think the only patterns we've seen now are just even if the the set isn't going to be full of value cards, they make sure there's one or two high dollar reprint cards in the pile to make it quote unquote worth the money. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think overall secretly, like here's the thing. And then let me, let me talk about this for a second. Actually, a lot of people 
are saying that like, well, stores should be able to sell the secret layers and it shouldn't just be a thing through wizards or whatever. And, and I've touched on this lightly before, but there's really two issues. The first is if it was available everywhere and people get as much as they want, and blah, 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 like nobody would want them. Right. Part of the appeal is that they're rare. Yeah, it's a different. VIP velvet rope kind of experience. Yeah, like some people would want them just because, you know, they always want the blingy, flashiest thing or whatever put in their decks, but a bunch of people wouldn't care because the value wouldn't be there anymore. And to be fair, a lot of secret layers have actually increased in value significantly, by the way. I don't know if people know that, but if you go look up secret layer prices, a lot of them are actually more expensive now, especially when the cards are playable. I mean, I, I maybe I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but like when... I looked up the stuff for the Black is Magic secret layers. I ordered three non-foil and two foil on that one. Just because I figured in the future they'd be fun giveaways and stuff. Individual cards in each set are worth more than the price of the whole thing. So you're getting 3 and 4x the value out of those. And it's not the only one that's like that. You know, hell, they had one for the Praetors. The uh, Phyrexian Praetors was in the, the big one they had this this week and the combined value of those of other versions are already like nearly 150 dollars for a thing you could buy for 40 bucks so it's like they're just giving you value if you choose to take it and i don't think that's bad there's been nothing to where you really just have to buy it unless you need a reprint yeah outside of the ones i guess we'll call it a slip up as far as the community is concerned, of The Walking Dead, everything else has been straight reprints. You know, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, And at this it, point, I mean, we can say, that, I guess, The Walking Dead really hadn't broken Commander. No, really not. Like, I think there was, like all things, I think when there's a week or two where it's new and people are trying to take advantage of it, that makes sense. But like once that moment passed, that was it. You know, so I, I don't really understand. Like, like we got past that. And like I said, you can look at it now and just be like, oh, OK, well, obviously that wasn't a thing. Nobody cares. We're good. So like it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird to see how much people are still mad about a thing that really had no negative impact on anything. Like retailers are still doing great. I mean, I know several retailers, like I've said before, that said 2019, 2020 were two of their best years in business. Some of them have been around 10, 12 years, you know, even with the pandemic. And some of them said a large chunk of that was magic. You know, Wizards of the Coast is still having a record year. Like a bunch of us are making better decks and sweeter things because we're able to afford some cards. And granted, part of this is because of a lot of reprints that came out in like Double Masters, came out in Commander Legends. A bunch of stuff got reprinted in Secret Layer, you know, but that's kept the prices under control with the spike in the market of all the collectibles. So I, I'm at this point, I'm kind of like Secret Layer is a success, y'all. I think like, that's a conclusion you, you have to draw. And as we say, you know, we when when Wizards does something goofy, we, we jump on them. But this yeah, so far seems like a win. And I have to say, I wasn't sure when it started but i said well let's let it play out a little while well now that we have it's like the card choices have been cool you know people are getting stuff more accessibly which is nice 
nothing bad has really happened because of it. So I'm like, what gives? And you to know, me, it's more proof that, you know, Wizards was never trying to get out of the paper magic business because they're well aware there are some people who that's the only way they want to play the game. So you, why would you stop taking those people money, people's money? You wouldn't, and they're not going to. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. No, I'm with you. Like, if they were going to get out of paper, Secret Layer would not be a thing. Like, I think when we when we come back to all those arguments, like I said, like if they were getting out of paper, they wouldn't have been supporting the LGSs. They wouldn't be printing extra promos to encourage people to buy stuff. They wouldn't be printing extra paper sets. You know, they they wouldn't be doing Secret Layer, right? Like they wouldn't have spent a bunch of money redoing a tournament system and all this other stuff if people were not going to be playing in paper, right? Like it wouldn't make sense. Because these are, if you combine those things, that's literally, I can like, 15 million plus that they've invested in those things. Yeah. Now, granted, Secret Layer does actually make some money back. But between all the efforts, right, they could have just saved that money if they were trying to end paper. And the pandemic would have been the time to do it. Let's be real. Right? It's a perfect excuse. You'll never have a better excuse. Be like, oh, well, you know, financial reasons. Yeah. Like, if there was a time, and I keep telling people that, if you wanted to do anything, that was going to be your time. So. If they didn't do it then, they're not planning on doing it. Even even if you were planning on doing it in, say, 2022, 2023, like any smart business person would just sit down in the room and go, you know what? We can just move up the timeline because this is the time we can do it and get the least PR hit from it. And they didn't. They went the exact opposite direction. And I'll say, like, we've, we've called out wizards on things before on the show. So it's not like we're here just, like, kissing their butts. It's just like, hey, we just got to acknowledge reality. And just stop having these stupid discussions over and over and over again when they make no sense. I mean, I've if literally a pandi- had to- if a pandemic didn't end magic, it's hard to imagine what is going to. You know, just oh yeah, but I've like I've had discussions with people on Twitter where they've said something and I pointed out like a simple fact that's just like common knowledge, and then they go, "Yeah, I guess that makes sense." And I'm like, "So you didn't even stop to think about this for two seconds." And you're just on the train of like, Wizards just trying to kill the local game store. Like, no. Hell, there's still people that believe Wizards can shut down a game store. It's like, no, they can keep you from running organized tournaments. And that's about it. Like, they don't stop you from existing. That's not how it works. But yeah, Secret Layer, I think, is actually totally fine at this point. I, I'm, I'm on board. And I'm probably going to... After evaluating the prices and stuff over the last six months, whatever, I'm probably going to be buying more secret layers. If I'm being honest, I don't think the long-term value is there. These are cards that are not going to be reprinted in their current forms, so they're going to be a one and done. Like I got no problem with it. I'm I'm in. All right. So this week we did have some drama. It was kind of like typical Magic Twitter drama. So, you know, take it over what you will. But we it did kind of spill over a little bit to Reddit and a couple other places. But basically what happened this week is Sheldon Mennery, for those of you who don't know, he's kind of the, the godfather, if you want to call him that, of Commander. And he put out an article basically, and I'm going to paraphrase, so, you know, take this for what it is. But he put out an article that said, effectively, that the Rules Committee and Commander Advisor Advisory Committee are 
really trying to make rules and push a style of play that favors casual players. You know, that, you know, whether we like it or not, casual players, by and large, either play kitchen table magic with no rules and they just play with their friends or whatever, or when they play socially, they're playing commander a lot of the time. Right? That's kind of the organized format that has become the choice of casual players. And unfortunately, there aren't other formats, really, that casual players really dive into. Everything's kind of become some level of competitive. Even if you play popper or whatever, there's people wanting to play organized popper tournaments and whatever, you know. So decisions are made with that in mind. So there's going to be situations where, like, okay, a thing may not make sense for you, but this is how it keeps the game fun and casual, and, you know, we follow that feedback. But in the process, the people that play competitive commander seem to have taken that as, well, we're being told the way we play is wrong. And it was like, no. It was just explaining that decisions are being made to take care of this particular group. And you can't make rules that are going to, like, take care of everybody. So if you play competitively, well, then that's kind of on you, right? That's not the original goal. That's not the vision. But you're still welcome to do it. Like, everybody should play Magic however they see fit. And if you find other people who enjoy playing Magic the same way, then y'all should play Magic together. But to see people mad and, like, you know, people calling the RC names and, like, wanting to take shots at Sheldon or whatever. And honestly, I'll say this. Like, Sheldon is one of the, like, if you're going to talk people in the Magic community that are of high character, he is one of the ones that he's got to be in the top five. So if you're out here trying to take shots at him and that's all you got, like, man, you're for real showing your whole ass. For real. Because ain't like, I don't like, Jell one of those dudes, I'll, I'll back him up on damn near anything. Yeah, he's one of those people where, you know, when when drama breaks out or when there's a big debate, I'm like, hey, what does Sheldon have to say about this before For I, real. Like, I'm, I'm on his side. And I get it, right? Don't get me wrong. I get it if you are invested and you spend a lot on Commander and you don't like the bannings when they come out or whatever and they don't make sense to you because they don't really affect your gameplay that much or whatever. It kind of is the same discussion when we talk about the fact that the average 60-card player doesn't really understand what goes on with casual buyers or consumers, right? The people that are competitive and go to tournaments and you play the arena ladder and you're trying to qualify in, in PTQs and grow to Grand Prix and all that, like that is a whole different person than the person that shows up once a week to buy a couple of boosters with their allowance money at the local game store, right? These are not the same people. You know, the people that will come into a game store, buy a booster box of the new set and you don't see them again until the next set comes out. Right. But it's hard for people on one side to understand even what's going on on the other side. And, and I think part of that is because, you know, this, this is it's in my quote. This is from uh, one of our former guests, uh, Shivam, Shivam, that was talking about uh, basically say, you know, when we talk, we don't mean to, but just our language. When we say things, we kind of have connotations and make choices. A lot of times when we say casual, people take that to being, you know, bad players. Which they, even if even if that's not what you're trying to say, and some people do when they say casual, some people do mean you know somebody that's not competitive has no desire to be competitive. 
And sometimes when we say, you know, a competitive player, it has a content where we say, like, they're being a jerk because they're too competitive. And that's not, you know, it's not what the words necessarily mean, but those are connotations they've taken on when we have these various debates about magic. Yeah, I agree to that. I think there's something to be said about, you know, the words we use and how we present stuff or whatever. I mean, hell, I've done it here on the show where I've given, like, a one-minute preamble before I actually like said something. So I'm like, I know this can be taken the wrong way. So like, please understand that this is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, so, so I totally get it. So yeah, it, it, it was just sad to see. Cause I'm like, there was no reason for anybody to be mad. Like everyone's effectively on the same page. Just saying like, Hey, we're making decisions effectively that are going to protect the format and its original or as close as it can to its evolving original vision and the casual players. And it just is what it is like, you know, and I get that, right? If I were to come into an environment, let's say go to a local store and they're playing popper, right? But it's on the most casual level of popper and they're playing like goofy theme decks or whatever. Well, if I walk in with the top level popper deck, it's probably going to be somewhat frowned upon because yeah. that's not how their group really plays magic. And I'm, I'm the minority where there's like 10 of them and one of me. So it's like, well, if the decision store is going to make a decision on, you know, what rules we're going to engage in or whatever. Well, it's going to be the one that's good for 10 people. Yeah. You know, like I, so I get it. Especially in a format that, you know, you, you, you could argue about what it should be, but the history is clear. It started as a, as a less competitive format. And then over time, people figured out how to play it competitive. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I tell people all the time, like I have no problem even being on the commander advisory group. I have no problem with people playing competitive commander. It's not for me. Doesn't really make sense because for me, Commander is a completely casual engagement for me. I play several 60 card formats and other stuff or whatever, and I'm good with it. Limited formats, whatever. But that's the competitive side for me. Everything else, I just treat very lightly. And every decision I make is going to be made. When I come to the discussions, I'm bringing that perspective. You know, and that's okay, right? My perspective doesn't have to line up with yours. Like we have different purposes and engagement and that's totally okay. But I, but you're still not wrong for playing the way you play. Like as long as you're enjoying yourself and the people you are playing with are enjoying themselves, then great. Then if you want to make up a format or your own rules oh, yeah. or ban list or whatever, like go for it. If your group is having fun, then have fun. It doesn't really matter. Uh, just kind of a light announcement here that D&D &D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms preview start next week. So people are getting kind of excited about that. I saw there was a lot of first-time reviewers, which is cool, or previewers, I should say, which is kind of neat. I think it's cool they're reaching out to some people that are still kind of newer in our community, but they're coming up and giving them a shot. And that's neat because the thing is, here's the deal, right? And I want to kind of clarify something on that, too. I think People have this idea that like, oh, you're going to get a preview card and you're going to get all, you know, 20,000 views. And it's going to be like, no, that doesn't really work that way because you still have all the same normal social media engines behind you. So if your video is not being recommended enough on YouTube or enough people don't follow you on Twitter or whatever, you're still you're going to get an increase in views and engagement, but you're still going to kind of have a cap. Right, because the same people roughly in your sphere are going to see it plus one or two. It doesn't just magically blow up and send you everywhere. So that that's the first. Not that it's bad to get a preview. I mean, I still like it. And it, like I said, it's still a small bump and it helps. And but it's, it's a not, fun time, you know, for everybody. 
Yeah, it's just not the the boon that people think it is. And it's not really an indictment on anybody to not get one. I think I see a lot of people as well going like, well, how come this person I follow didn't get one? Or a creator being like, ah, it sucks. They never pick me or whatever, right? Who knows? There could be a bunch of reasons you get picked or don't get picked, right? I've been picked a couple of times. I've not been picked a bunch of times. Like, it's okay. Doesn't affect anything. Your people still like you. Your content's still growing. You're still doing your thing. It's just a cool little bonus when it happens, right? So we just got to be careful about that, you know, making it too big of a thing. But the one thing I would like to see, and I don't know how many previewers are even listening to our show that are getting them, but I would love to see people do fun, creative previews with stuff. Like every time I see one that's done and where somebody's put in extra effort, I think I try to retweet it or share it or whatever every time. When it's somebody that's just like, hey, thanks, Wizard, for giving me a preview card, and you just slap the card on your tweet, I don't ever retweet those. Because to me, like, that's the lowest amount of effort where somebody who does really want one for whatever reason, whether it's going to get them a bunch of people or they just want to have the opportunity to do it or whatever. Like there are people chomping in the bit that will do a fun thing and the community gets a neat bit of engagement and they get to learn about this person. And, you know, it just can be more interesting and entertaining, but you put no effort in. And then the thing comes back to like, what is what is Wizards or any company that gives you an opportunity for a promo supposed to think? Right? When you literally just like, okay, I'm just going to toss this up here. Like, that's just a wasted opportunity. Even if you're already established and you think that'll get you for, I don't know, let's say it gets you a 5 or 10% bump for the day. Right? Like, you just chose not to take it and they gave you a tool. I mean, and I did dumb one. I did one where like I, I made a fake character to troll myself in my videos. But people still enjoyed it because it was different. And I and I took the time to write a simple little script and I did different color lighting behind me and you know, found some music that worked. And it was campy and stupid, but it was fun, right? It was different. You know, I, I saw something from Tappy Toe Claws last time where she, I think for Strixhaven, where she had previewed the owl and she had done like a cosplay and some makeup or whatever that kind of mimicked the owl or whatever when she put it up and was talking about it. I'm like, cool. So you retweet that, right? Like, so it's, just do something to show people like who you are and what's going on. Cause like, I, I hate seeing wasted efforts, especially for something that you may not get again. And then your statement to the community is like, here's the amount of effort I'm willing to put in. And it's like, come on, man. Like you can do something. Hell I've done stuff when I've gotten notices at the last minute, you know, I had a couple days out and I still found a way to do a thing. Like, it could totally be done. I think I did one where I faked the the fake, the troll dragon, as I called him. Like, <laughs> found, well, like he had gotten into my mail and got to it before I did. So he was talking to the community and I was just, I kind of like showed up and was like, what the hell, man? You know, like, so, but you got to do something. I mean, just anything to make it better. So that's what I'm hoping to see. But otherwise, like, people are hyped, man. People want to see a D&D set. This is this has been a thing I think players have wanted for like at least fifteen years. So I don't know what's where's your level of excitement about this thing. I mean, I've already made several party decks. I'm just ready for them to finish that mechanic. So I'm in. 
Oh, that's definitely coming. Or at least according to Rosewater, it's coming. We've not seen anything yet, but... I mean, it would have to be, right? If you, if you don't do Party in the D&D set, what is the purpose for Party? Well, I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, Rosewater had posted on Blogatog that it was already going to be part of the D&D set. And then, I don't know if it was for, like, design space or creative space. Like, they co-opted it into Zendikar, so they put some of the stuff there, and the rest is still in D&D. See, I got some decks I'm ready to finish, and I don't know what with yet. But, I mean, I know kind of where the weak spots are. And, like, hey, if there's a thing that did this thing, how cool would that be? Yeah. I'll say this, too. You know, one of the things I am concerned about is, like, how much can you put into the set to be, like, magic relevant? Right? Because D&D has a lot of stuff. Even even in Just Forgotten Realms, there is a lot of stuff. If you want to do lands based on certain locations, if you want to do artifacts because it's D&D, there's still a bunch of like generic player's handbook level stuff that like, do you put in a bunch of the, the magic items from the book? You know, do we get a deck of many things? We know, we already know there's like a portable hole and stuff. So we know that's a thing, but it's like, you know, how many of the monsters from the original monsters manual do we put in? Like, we, cause we got to have like owl bears, gelatinous ooze, you know, all, all the popular monsters that everybody knows have to be in right. there. Right. Like that's, Cobalts are probably going to make another appearance, <laughs> right? Yeah. So these are all, and I don't know. Do you do a thing? Because we had a mechanic in in Magic previously that leveled up a character. Like, are we going to do that in D anD D and bring that back? That would seem to be a good place for it. Yep, that could be a thing. So, like, I don't know, man. There's a there's a lot of open ended stuff. So I have no idea where the set's going to go. I think it could be kind of cool. Are there going to be some cards, you know, that break the fourth wall? Like, yeah, we're arguing with the DM. That's true. I didn't think about that. That could be another thing. Maybe there's some weird artifact or enchantment that has a DM-like effect. Oh, you got man, a bar please, that tries to romance please, oh, everyone. Put it in my head. I hope they don't make a card that lets you control somebody else's turn. I hate those. I think they're stupid. Like if they're oh man, I'm gonna do a whole episode on YouTube. It's <laughs> like types of cards. I hope we never get again, and that's one of them. Yeah. I hope we never see any more of those. But. Yeah, man, I don't know. I think it's going to be cool. I think everybody's going to be hyped and ready to go uh, next Monday when we start seeing those previews. And in a related story, you were telling me that there's a Forgotten Realms video game coming? Yeah, well, it's actually out. I believe it came out yesterday. So it's uh, on, I think, I don't know if it's on Switch yet, but it's on PC, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and yeah, I've got all the Driz Dorden, of course, because you got to have you go to Forgotten Realms, you got to have the most popular Dark Elf in the world. Yeah, and uh, the actual title is Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. If you have an Xbox, it's on Xbox oh, Game Pass. Yeah, it's essentially I saw some, free I saw for some you. Ads being pushed to me. Like, yeah, you week. probably if you've been on YouTube at all. Yeah, <laughs> you've seen, especially if you consume Magic or D and D content. You've probably already seen 10 million ads for this. It looks cool. It looks cool. Yeah, I mean, the reviews are kind of all over the place, but if it all over the place includes some people said, hey, if you like D&D, just go ahead and buy this. Or, or you don't play it if you're on Game Pass. So it looks interesting. I'm going to play it. Oh, it's on Game Pass even, so it's free? It can, Yeah, it, it was day one Game Pass. So if you got Xbox, and I'm... I'm gonna keep beating this drum again. Man, I'm just me. telling you, like, I'm probably just gonna have to get an Xbox at some point because I, I swear, at least like half the games I've heard about, people are like, "Oh yeah, it's just on Game Pass." 
Yeah. And I'm like, well, so it's free hell. for you to try. If you hate it, you can just delete it from your console. Not worry about it. But again, I'll try anything that's essentially free for me, especially if it's D and D or magic related. Now, on a thing like Game Pass, how long do you get to play the game? Oh, it's as long as you keep paying Game Pass every month. It's like Netflix; you can have it for as long as you pay for it. Oh, see, that's so good. And that's it's nine ninety nine a month, and it's not just this. There's, I swear, it's probably about two hundred games on that thing. Well, because I was just thinking, like a game like Forgotten Realms, I might want to play, but over the course of like six months, I might come back to it, play a couple. Now they do like like that. Netflix; they take things on and off. Yeah, that's There's what a rotation. I was like. Can I download it to my, I don't know, like my system hard drive and have it for a while and then... No, once they take it, I gather it comes from the cloud, so once they take it off, okay. it's off. But you can play it enough to know, like, hey, would I be interested? And usually they'll have a deal when it first launches. Hey, if you think you like this and you want to keep it permanently, here's, you know, 10% off or whatever. Oh, okay. So, so you still... Oh, that's even better. So you can just play for free and then you get the option of just like, hey, if you think you need more time, like you can just buy it and have it. Now, PlayStation Plus, once you've downloaded it to your console, as long as you keep paying the price, it's yours. Man, this makes it Just so for your much monthly more worth uh, it. PlayStation Plus, which again, if you have a PlayStation, that there's no reason not to do it. Yeah, if you have a PlayStation or Xbox, like, yeah, I'd be in. I imagine this is going to do well for them. And the timing's so good, too. They lined up yeah. a lot of D&D stuff. There's like a D&D book release, I think, around this time as well. So, so you've got the video game coming out. You're going to have card set releasing in two weeks like man and the developer is actually owned by wizards so yeah they're the empire is expanding yeah they've they've got it figured out like this this has been good marketing around this D set and you already see people i saw a thing from uh g4 where i guess austin creed's gonna be hosting yep. a show they're running like a big D campaign or whatever so like yeah they've, they've got it together like this it's going to be hard for this not to sell well. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be real hard. Like this, I know people like Innistrad. I would not be surprised if we end up hearing that the D&D set outsells either of the Innistrad sets. I could absolutely see that. And I'm somebody that loves Innistrad. But yeah, I could absolutely see that happening. All right, and just because this has been something that showed up on social media and it's been the talk of so many geek things everywhere, YouTube <laughs> videos, articles, Facebook <sighs> groups, you name it, podcasts, I figured we might as well weigh in on it. <laughs> but man, how are you going to tell me the Batman don't eat? Right. The man knows what two million kinds of martial arts and every precious part of the human body and he just... Never learned about that? Ain't no way. Yeah, I'm just like, you can't sell me on that. You can't. You can't, like, that. there's no way that's canon. Like, there ain't no way that you're going to tell me that Vicky Vale, you know, Catwoman, all these, like, they're all after him and he don't eat? Like, come on. Like, that, you, you can't, yeah, come on. Now, I will say this. The original quote was taken out of context. Right. They were trying. You had somebody from DC Warner Brothers saying, hey, we can't do the depiction in this manner because this is a thing that's going to be largely consumed by kids. So we want to not show that act 
or Insane. But in, I think in the Harley Quinn cartoon, like rated R or at least PG, because Harley the cartoon shows a lot of graphic violence. So yeah, and it very well might be, you know. So I'm thinking the kids it. probably are, are, for the most part, probably not watching or They probably shouldn't be according to the ratings. I'm well, sure yeah. some are. You know, dude, I told you I had a nine year old that that I worked with a big brother's big sister who uh, when I was meeting him, he was telling me about Five Nights at Freddy's and and I didn't know what Five Nights at Freddy's was. So I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. You know, I'll check it out. And then next week when we hang out, I'll be able to talk to him about Five Nights at Freddy's. My first thing after watching is why the F are nine year olds playing Five Nights at Freddy's? Nine-year-olds aren't; they're not as scared by stuff as we were when we, For, we here's were. Here's the thing, years. okay? For those of y'all that don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's basically like there's there's a bunch of them. There's like five or six of them or something. But there's effectively you're in a building, and the one I saw there was, I guess, animatronic. I, I can't call. Yeah, them. it's it's, ch- it's the Chuck E. Cheese yeah, animals came yeah, to life. It's, it's let's be anim- honest, the, the, the Chuck E. Cheese animals have always been creepy. Let's yeah, just be honest. So it's so it's animatronic things chasing you and you're trying to survive the night without them catching you which i guess they're trying to harvest your parts or something to be real i don't know but like you're just hiding in buildings and you're trying not to get caught by these creepy animatronic monsters and i'm like why why are I think you it comes from this? the fact that the creator like every other kid probably was scared by those just freaky looking animatronic animals yeah it's just like a weird thing but yeah i don't know like so to say that Batman would not do this thing, like I said, I get what what the person was aiming for. There's probably their job to like watch out for PR stuff and whatever. Yeah. And like, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. But the rest of the community taking it out of its context and then just being like, how can you say like this is the word? Like, come on. Like, you can't honestly believe he doesn't. I mean, hell, we've had what's his name? Dick Grayson uh, on the Teen Titans, they've already insinuated a couple of times that he's done something like that with one of the other characters. So, of course, he, Dick Grayson is a wild man. I think he, like, uh, I think he slept with Barbara Gordon on the day he married Starfire. So, Dick Grayson is a wild man. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But hey, you know, not to get too dirty, but Batman also has a cowl, which is made perfectly for that activity. <laughs> I'm just saying, Boy. like, Mouth is perfectly exposed. There's nothing covering his, his mouth. Like, it keeps the rest of his face from getting all sticky. You know, I'm just... Oh, dear. Wait, just saying. We... <laughs> I know we took a left turn there, but I, we I just had we the thought. We absolutely did. I just had the thought. A cowl is kind of like the perfect face covering for that, right? I don't think anybody was saying he was doing it in costume. I don't know. <laughs> but then I, it's Batman and Catwoman, but I'm sure they probably did. Well, of course, because there's also that weird, like, non-canon situation where they're trying to keep their identity from each other still which is weird but yeah i don't know i just thought that was an entertaining thing to have floating around social media from we should also mention that there is what all these different dimensions and five million batman like somebody out of all the different i did see that mentioned like there's got to be some number of like the 52 batmans that's down like you know like But if he's not, you know, the, the Batman who laughs is just doing it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what I was saying. Like, nothing serious there. I just thought it was really fun that, you know, with all, the, fun. with all the stuff going on in the world, this was like the thing that all the nerds, we all came together and been like, 
nah, we're pretty sure. Like, like there were no dissenting opinions. You know, like, yeah. everybody went like, nah, we're pretty sure this is a thing. <laughs> and that's funny, because, dude, when it comes to comic books, like, we're geeks, man. We will argue over anything. Right. And that seems to have been the one thing I've seen in a long time, that everybody just went, here's all these different reasons why we believe this is true. So, you know, even though you're not going to see it depicted, we all know it happens. He might need a couple of hours of prep time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He's going to get the job done. Just because it's Batman. You're right. All right. Let's have a fun conversation here in the dinner table. And, you know, we, we talked about a couple of years ago with Secret Lair. But, you know, just last year. I kind of wanted to do a small little catch-up, maybe about 10 minutes here, of just how this last year, year and a half, has kind of worked out for you, dude. Because it was, for both of us, really, right? This was kind of a new chapter of each of our lives that started kind of just as the pandemic was kicking off. But then we also had all the social issues that happened or whatever, and it's like, kind of just want to check in. Like, how are things... I don't know. How do you perceive things or how are things different for you now or whatever than they were a year and a half ago? I mean, definitely we've had, as we talked about a lot of, you know, kind of uncomfortable conversations, but conversations that I think we needed to have. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place that it feels like more people are willing to engage in a lot of these topics that weren't when we started. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, we had no idea how bad it was, even though we had been telling them how bad it was for, I know, pretty much my entire adult life. Yeah, and and I also throw in that I think through all this, as much as we've found, I don't know if you want to call them allies, right? Just people who are trying to be for the cause, help things be better. We've also found a lot of people we've had to cut out of our social circles. Hell, some people out of their own families. You know oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, for, I don't know how I forgot to mention, but yeah, I lost my moderator because we just were not yeah. <laughs> politically on the same page. Oh, there's there's socially been, you know, people I quit associating with, you know, a couple of industry folks that have gone AWOL, you know, after catching their backlash for being idiots. And, and, and I guess the irony is that that was the first time we had really ever discussed our politics before. We just talked about, you know, video game stuff. The politics really never came up. Yeah. So that's an example of a conversation that, if not for George Floyd, I don't know that we ever had that conversation. Yeah, and that's the wild thing, right? When you look back and just see, like, the ups and downs, even with our listenership and everything else, based around, like, the height of certain parts of that whole ordeal it's kind of interesting, you know, and how many people stuck around or didn't. And and it's also tough too, when you see, like, I think it should, like, there's a lot of things like we talk about that, like as a black person, like you understand some things, right? We're told things at hell at five years old, you know, how some stuff yeah. works that don't make a lot of sense, but you're just told by your yeah. parents, Hey, here's the way some things are. But being an adult, you know, at a 40 year old adult, and having somebody argue with you that it was okay for a dude to have his neck crushed and die live, recorded. Because he was resisting. Yeah, just like, whoa, 
Like, like, like you can't believe this yet for some reason they do. Yeah. That that's been the wild part, you know, seeing how much people have doubled down, I think has, has been interesting. I had, you know, somebody at the friend show me, Oh, well this, this uh, video exonerates Derek Chauvin. I'm thinking like, are you looking at the same video I'm looking at? There, oh, there's no way you're going to show me anything that's going to exonerate him. Uh, exactly. But in this, in my friend's mind, this shows George Floyd resisting arrest. And I'm thinking like, this shows him not wanting to get out of the car because he's afraid he'll be murdered. And then he gets out of the car and gets murdered. So it's like, we're, I, don't, I don't know what you think, what you see. That but I'm it's not like seeing. I said, though, initially when I saw it, my problem was even if somebody's resisting, Right. Your job is to get him under control, which they did. He's on the ground with yeah. three police officers there, one on his neck, and he's got his hands behind his back. Like there's that's it. There's no more resisting. He's done. Yeah, nobody's getting out of this. Yeah, exactly. Like he's done, done. And you you're in the middle of the street with people watching. Like what what else is gonna go down, you know? So it it's been wild, just what like this whole adventure, you know, even seeing you know, how the conversations people were willing to have on streams, you know, some of the support that's been out there that wasn't there before. You know, I see a lot of people now trying to at least make the effort to engage with content from people of color that I don't think we're actively doing it before, which is good. I mean, that's what, you know, it sucks. I keep saying it like it sucks that it took a dude dying to get somebody to listen to our podcast. Right. But at least we're moving forward because of that. And we're having those conversations. You know, people are finding more people on YouTube. You know, people are reaching out to do more projects together. So there's a lot that's come out of this in this last year. But it's really wild to think about how much, you know, in 18 months that things have changed. When you go back and really look at it, it's like, man, that wasn't even that long ago, but it's feels so different. It, it really does. It's like, a, you know, a, a BC moment, like before George Floyd and after George Floyd. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what we need to have, right? Because, and, and this is kind of the hard part, I think, to articulate to people, to say, like, it truly feels different, right? When people come to engage with our stuff, at least for me, like, I'm not having to question it as much, I don't feel like. Whereas before, it was kind of like, okay, are we really wanting to do a thing? Am I just like, we just fill in a quota or whatever? And it's like, okay, no, I think this person generally wants to like work with me or really is interested in my stuff or whatever, or is trying to expand, you know, because they don't have, you know, black people or people of color kind of in their content rotation or whatever. So it's just the whole thing feels different. You know, I, hell, I saw things just uh, just uh, was it Monday or Tuesday that there were some articles going around about how a bunch of police officers have quit from these different departments and blah, blah. And it's like, great. If you're the bad ones, GTFO. Right. Like, and people are actually looking at ways to, you know, first of all, in some places, put in place systems or to improve existing systems to prevent these guys from getting hired again somewhere else. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, too. I won't say that, like it's made everything feel safer because I'm, I'm still cautious when I see certain things or certain people out in public, 
because, you know, like there's some people that are still staunchly on the other side of that line. So, you know, when you see the what would Bubba do sticker, yep. you, you still kind of like, mm, I don't know about this dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. there's, there's still that. But it feels a little bit less. And I don't know if maybe that's a combination of things where, you know, we all learned more about each other just during COVID and people being at home and can consume more content or, you know, there's been a bunch more podcasts and videos and people talking about stuff. I mean, it's been nice seeing, especially in markets where people where it's, you know, predominantly white, that people have been trying to raise the profile of people of color in their different aspects, whether that's inviting them on a video or a podcast or writing articles about them or whatever. So it's it's been a, a really surprising couple of years, man. You know, and and this is even great because I've told people before, like I started really, you know, I came to you in what is October of 2019 or like, Hey, we I'm thinking about doing this podcast, you know, let's do this thing. And then the week before Thanksgiving that year, I was out of a job. Yeah. So I was just like, cool, I'm just going to double down on all this and just see if I can turn it into a thing. And I was going to give myself a year, man. If I would have known the year was going to be 2020, the way it was. Exactly. So many people are like, Oh wow. You're very, really brave to do that. We didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I, oh man. I was, and I tell people, like, it was both bad timing, but also very fortuitous timing. Like, bad in the sense that, like, nothing was going to go the way I wanted to. Like, every plan got destroyed. You know, it was hard to get some things. It was hard to work with people. Like, it just, nothing was going to work right. So it took a lot more planning and effort and stuff. But the other side of that is, because we had all of the whole Black Lives Matter, that whole movement really really take off it was a time that if you were available in your communities like when people needed a voice when people needed somebody to turn to when people had questions or didn't know who to ask or whatever being one of those people to be there was very fortuitous you know we became kind of top of mind for people you become the place where people expect to hear those perspectives and conversations and it's it's been interesting you know it's the only way i can describe it like there it was totally nothing i could have planned but you know here we are now with the podcast and youtube channels and streams and whatever yeah so it's wild man there's been so much change in our community too because i think if the last summer doesn't happen do the seven cards that need to be banned to get banned i i guess the answer is no because it hadn't been banned before <laughs> yeah that's a question too is it because we were just home engaging in more stuff you know is that a thing you know, just playing more games and iterating faster, like possibly. Like, I don't know. How's your, how are you guys uh family channel doing now? Uh, we are almost 750 subs. So it's uh, nice. Nice. And, and same thing. We didn't have any idea that it was going to pop off that fast. Cause neither one of us had ever done. A, I had kind of just started mine, but really had basically hadn't done a YouTube channel before that. So it, yeah, and see, and that's an interesting thing, too. Like, we've talked about it before. You know, when you don't have a lot of black creators in certain spaces, it's also hard to hit those recommendation points to get put in yeah. front of a lot of people. So it's cool when you have people actively looking. So that way, you know, you are getting that level of exposure and getting that little bit of Kickstarter, you know, whatever to get you going. So that's really cool, man. And it seems like the family's having a good time with it. Definitely. 
Momo is a star, and I don't think she even <laughs> realizes, you know, that she's internationally famous now. Man, I'll tell you, like, I've I've said it for years. Like when I grew was growing up, and I'd have people who were either afraid or didn't like being around old people or whatever. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, right? Old people, because here's the thing: like, old people, one, they don't zero f's given because like right? they're checking out in the next ten years anyway. They don't care. No so, reason to give any of. Yeah. So they're going to say some of the wildest stuff around you. They're going to share stories with you that, like, you have no business hearing as a kid. But they don't yeah. care. Like, whatever. You might as well hear this. And they say the wildest stuff. And so you're either going to get cool-ass stories or you're going to learn how to just be lucky at life. Yeah. Because that's the only way they get to be old, right? You're either really smart or really lucky. And I've always appreciated that. So when I see, like older people that are part of different shows or communities or whatever, even, even the, the crap, what is that afternoon show that used to come on ESPN, the Dan Levitard show? Oh yeah. He'd have his dad come on. Yeah. And even that was fun to me. Just like, yeah. And just, he's just part of the shenanigans. And half the time he'd just say some stuff and like Dan's tripping out or whatever. And I'm like, this is fun, man. You know? But I mean, he knew every athlete and oh, yeah. had, you know, an opinion on it. Yep. So it's always fun, man. I so I think I really like what y'all are doing, and if people haven't watched it, you really should. It, it's really a bunch of fun. We absolutely are. We we knew we were gonna have fun, and nothing else happened. And the rest of it has just been a bonus. Well, on that note, Brian, punch to everybody where they can find you on social media. Right. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our family channel that we just talked about is Alan's Ever After on YouTube. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. However, if you want to find me on TikTok, it's at the Power Dragon, as it turns out. Because believe it or not, Power Dragon was taken and there's a whole story to that. But I'll save that for another time. For now. Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And for a bit longer, while people are still out here trying to get vaccinated, please remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from each other, and all that good stuff so we can get back to gaming and gathering sooner rather than later. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 